everybody. I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, hey, Tim. Dean. Uh, This isn't a full episode, this is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays, and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. The Blast from Our Past Network. Welcome to Action Action on the BFOP Network. My name is John, and this is the podcast that watches all the action movies and puts them on our big, giant list. This week, we have another Walter Hill movie. Uh, It's the second film. We watched 1978's The Driver. But before we get into the movie this week, I want to introduce the other two hosts to the podcast. James. How's it going? What up, John? Nice to be here. (laughs) Dustin, how you doing? Whoa. (laughs) okay i could do it again from the top no that's from the that's fine no way we're good from the top all right yo yo john what up this is not even a character anymore this is just who you are every week (laughs) this is who i am i mean i just the lines i don't know blurred of reality yes (laughs) i live a very boring life so you know put a mic in front of me and i turn into i don't know you really come alive house eh? cat the house cat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited to be here. Well, that's why spaghetti keeps hanging around between my feet here when we record, because she knows the house cat's going to be here. <laughs> Number one fan. Uh, okay. So before we get into this movie, uh, 1978's The Driver, uh, James, is there anything you want to seek or destroy? Maybe one of each if you have them? Uh, well, let's see here. Seek. Uh, I finished off the series of Ip Man. I watched uh, three and four. Obviously not as good as the first two. Uh, the fourth one kind of gets a little cheesy at points, but, um, you know, yeah. still enjoyable as a series, as a complete series. Uh, so I'd say seek that whole series out. Um, something to avoid. I watched Omega Syndrome. <laughs> Don't ask me why. I just... I, I'm gonna. This is a to be delight. I take it. This this is a to be delight. Um, I would say don't seek this movie out. Ah, I watched it just off of the cover art alone, and yeah, the cover art I, is, is something special. It is something special. If the movie was anything like the cover art, I think it would have been awesome. But it was a very. I found it to be a very boring, drawn out movie. It had some interesting concepts, you know, all about white supremacy and, um, you know, his daughter gets kidnapped and he's trying to find her. So, but it was just boring, I found. So I'd say uh, don't seek, destroy that one. You're watching a lot of movies about white supremacists lately. You were into that Top Dog. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Top Dog was a surprise white supremacy movie. Uh, I wasn't expecting (laughs) that. (laughs) Surprise. Surprise, kids movie about white supremacy. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess there's a lot on Tubi that is about white supremacy. I don't know. That's a thing. This is of the time of that, you know. Yeah, like last year. It's making a real comeback in a bad way. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, for me, let's see. What do I got? Seek. I uh, (laughs) watched this really bonkers movie called Warlock uh, Mm -hmm. from 1989. 
Um, this is directed by Steve Miner, who did like the second Friday the 13th, and he did one of the later Halloweens. Uh, he did House. John, you remember the movie House? Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, actually, I think me and James might have watched that together too, House. But yeah, anyway, we did. Um, this is like, it's kind of a horror movie, I guess, but it's just so bizarre. It's about this warlock from like the 17th century who's going to be uh, executed by these church people. And so he does a spell and transports himself to 1989. <laughs> uh and then he gets caught up. The guy that was going to be the one who killed him, this like ancient Scottish dude, also somehow gets like, he's a witch hunter. He also gets sucked to the modern time. So he's like still chasing him in the late 80s America. And he's teamed up with this woman who the warlock does a spell to that makes her turn. She's like turning old throughout the movie and stuff. And she's got like bad makeup and wigs and stuff. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe this movie. It's fucking bizarre. Like there's some wh- horror like kills and stuff in it, but it's kind of comedic too, just because it's so goofy. There's a part where he f- goes and hides in the, this Mennonite farmer's barn, and the Mennonite's like, "Oh, I know all about the signs of the witchcraft and all this weird shit." It's so fucking bizarre, but I had a lot of fun watching it. I remember um, this. Uh, I remember the the box from like. Yeah, yeah, from the video store. Yeah, that's like one of those boxes that always stood out. Yeah, for sure. Um, the guy that plays the warlock, Julian Sands, is like pretty awesome. And then the witch hunter guy is Richard E. Grant, who's like, you know, pretty famous dramatic actor nowadays, but this is what he was slumming it doing back then. For Destroy, uh, Destroy is maybe a little harsh, but I watched uh, The Dry last night. It's an Australian crime thriller movie uh, based on a novel, and I actually had listened to the audiobook of the novel by Jane Harper not that long ago. So it was a little hard for me to like separate the two. It's one of those cases of like the book is definitely better, but like it was hard for me to actually tell like is the movie bad or is it just that I'm watching it so soon after I had listened to the book and I can't like find a separation sort of. So I'm not really sure if it's bad or not, but I it didn't do a lot for me. Uh Eric Bana plays the lead role. I'd say seek out the book and uh probably skip the movie. It's kind of little by numbers i thought but that's interesting it's got really good reviews yeah I, you know i was reading some reviews and people seem pretty positive on it so that that's why i'm saying maybe it's just like just the fact that i had listened to the book so recently so well, it's kind of clouded mi- it over it's a mystery thriller i'll watch it yeah i mean i'll watch it and i'll tell you what i think yeah i'd be interested to hear somebody else's perspective because i was maybe a little too close to it at the moment i uh still watching invincible on episode three now uh still rules James should watch it. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. I started watching this new show called uh, The Patriot. Is that a new show? Uh, it's a new show for me, I should say. That's like the, is that like a spy one kind of? Yeah, so I know I, I, I knew nothing about it. Um, some people had mentioned it on podcasts that they watched it and they liked it. Jason Manzukis mentioned it on a couple podcasts that he was a big fan. Yeah, that's where I heard about uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's from 2015, actually. So there's only two seasons of it. It's really good. It's a really great show. Uh, it's different, kind of w- funny and weird. It's like dark comedy about... I'm, I'm not deep in, enough into it, but I kind of have a sense of what's going on. I don't want to give too much away, but this main character, John, he's a agent of sorts. You don't really know a lot. They don't really give a lot away so far. Uh, all you know is that he's doing this job for his dad and brother. At least you're led to believe that it's his dad and brother. They, he calls him dad and he calls him brother, but who knows? I don't really trust anybody in the shows right now. It's a wrong, long rambling way to say, watch the show. <laughs> yeah, and it's two seasons and then that's it, right? Like they're not doing anymore? No, Isn't it got right? canceled. It's done. Right. It's too bad. I have nothing to destroy, but I did get, I, I don't know why, I was just bored the other day. So I decided to just go buy comic books, which I haven't done in probably... A year and a half. So I just oh, picked. Yeah. I just picked uh, some stuff up. I picked up uh, Nocturna. No, Noctera. Uh, it's a new Scott Snyder comic. Oh, okay. Cool. And then I just ordered a couple. I ordered um, Sea of Stars. These just came. I just got them before, like while we were recording. Uh, sea of Stars by Jason Aaron and Undiscovered Country, which is another comic from Scott Snyder that I have never read. So nice. Decide I'm going to read comics again. I tried. I tried mm. to buy them for the kids, but they just look at them and <laughs> they haven't read they're them like, yet. They're like, "Fuck you, Dad." Like Minecraft. Yeah, off. they're like, "Give me Dogman and Minecraft and 
go fucking make me some cereal. Go fucking pound sand, yeah, Dad. Kick rocks, you old <laughs> bitch. Kick rocks. You dirty old bitch. Go push chain. Oh, is this too? Oh, is this eight, is this too many bits for you, old man? What? <laughs> fucking loser. They took my hat and they threw it to each other. Is this too many bits? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just it's dad. A, you're a fucking loser. You got four kids. The definition. Yeah. <laughs> Can't believe mom fucked you, loser. Um. Yeah. My kids bully me. Well, that's that's harsh. Yeah, this is too hard to talk about. Let's get to the let's get to the meat of this episode. Let's get to the movie. Uh, we watched 1978, The Driver. I don't know if there's a trailer, but if there is, James, roll it. Ryan O'Neill is the driver. My line of work is kind of hard to come by. His reputation, the best wheel man in the city. Did you ever get caught on one of your jobs? Hasn't happened yet. Bruce Dern is the detective. I'm very good at what I do. His reputation, the toughest cop in the city. You saw the man who was driving the car, yet you didn't identify him. Do you got a reason? I just don't like you. You get out of my town because you go out on one more job and I'm going to nail you. You might be getting too big. Two men driven by their need to prove they were the best. How are you going to get downstairs? Sounds like you got a problem. I'm much better at this game than you are. You win, you make some money. I win. You're going to do 15 years. To them, the money, the law, even their lives no longer counted. You don't care about the money. Might even send it to him. Who was best was all that mattered. You've been set up, you know. To break the cop, the driver was willing to risk it all. To break the driver, the cop was willing to break the law. Go ahead, throw it! It'll cost you two years. Ryan O'Neill, Bruce Dern, Isabella Johnny, the driver. A ruthless game between two legends. Yeah, so uh, this is my pick, John. Uh, I picked this movie... Why did I pick this movie? I don't know. I just saw it on the list. I don't know. Have we ever talked about it before? Uh, I don't know if it's come up before. I don't think so. We just did 48 Hours not too long ago, yeah. which was also directed by Walter Hill. I, didn't, I don't think we talked about this one. I didn't realize at the time. So The Driver, uh, like Dustin said, directed and written by Walter Hill, uh, starring Ryan O'Neill, uh, Bruce Dern, Isabella Ajani. The synopsis is really small. A getaway driver becomes the latest assignment for a tenacious detective. Simple premise for a film, but... Yeah, I mean, it's it's a simple movie in a lot of ways, too, right? It is, but man, do they pack a lot of stuff into this film. So we should just like kind of get right into it. This is the first time you guys have both seen the film? Uh, I've seen it before. I, I actually watched it, uh, I don't know, like two or three years back. I've uh, I've never seen it. Didn't even know it existed. Yeah, it, so I I was just like going through lists of like action movies, and then I was like going through lists of like best like chase movies and chase scenes, and this movie popped up on it, and I don't feel like I've ever heard of it or like it's never like, sunk in that it was a movie that existed. I guess, and I'm really glad I picked it because man, they they weren't joking about the uh, car chases. Yeah, there's some awesome car chase scenes in this for sure. Yeah, the, definitely. The, the opening sequence uh, pulls you in pretty fast, I thought. It starts off with, yeah, the the driver. Nobody in this movie has a name. Yeah, it's like the driver, the detective, the player, the, the, the connection. connection. and then Yeah, which I loved at the end, like the when the credits were rolling. I, I noticed that. I'm like, nobody has a name. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, he calls the, the Bruce Dern... Uh, the detective. He calls him the cowboy. He's a couple other names for him. Yeah, outlaw, cowboy, stuff like that. But he's the driver. Yeah, you get a, it, the movie kicks off pretty good right away with the with the robbery. Yeah, you get the opening robbery at that casino. Those two guys in like goalie masks kind of reminded me a little bit of Heat, actually. Yeah. Um, and he's wait. He's there waiting for them in the alley. Like he comes through that fence. Um, and that's when we see the player too, like with the opening shots are on her playing cards, right? Uh, and then she comes out and she sees Ryan O'Neill behind the wheel of the car. Uh, and that plays into some stuff that happens a little bit later. Yeah, see, I thought 
that whole sequence where she sees him and then later she says, no, that's not him or, you know, I, I can't remember. I thought it was going to be like she actually knew that the that robbery was going down and she was going to hire. She's there to hire him for another job oh, because yeah. like I had no concept of what the movie was. Right. So. I didn't read a synopsis. No, neither did I. I went in completely blind to what the movie was. And I'm really glad I did because not much happens, but it's nice. All I knew was that no one had a name, I should say. But yeah, I didn't know what was up with her either. I thought maybe she was dating Bruce Dern uh, at one point because he comes to her house. I'm like, that's fucking weird. He's just the, he's just that kind of asshole. (laughs) He shows up at your house and won't leave. Man, does he play a great asshole in this movie? Yeah, he really does. <laughs> He's awesome. Um, the first time I watched this, I felt like I kind of felt like he was a bit over the top to me. Like I was like, oh, really? Like, like he's just so he's just so much of a dick, and just so much willing to cut any corner to make his case or whatever. But this time watching it, I was like, no, like everyone in this, it, it's almost like everyone is sort of their id. Like we, you were talking about on another movie we did recently john and so you know we don't get overly complicated dialogue we don't get a lot of backstory on everybody but so we just get these very direct sort of representations of what they are i mean i do feel like he he is a bit over the top just because he is so over the top in his role but everyone else is more just kind of calm in a way yes everyone else is very subdued and he's like yeah he does the majority of the talking in the movie right yeah exactly and like even that other cop is adam the whole time you know he's trying to convince him like you're either with us or against us you're you know you're a good cop or you know not or whatever i think that what you're seeing there is that you're seeing that this guy had a lot of sway and he has a lot of sway up until this move, like up until this sting, this whatever operation he's putting in. And they all are probably like going along, like told to go along with it or whatever. But they know that this is it. Like this is him being completely consumed by something that's going to destroy him. And they are just watching this guy flame out. Well, it's almost kind of like the reverse of heat, right? I mean, heat in the end, he gets him, but... With this, yeah, yeah. he he like goes to the extreme, and it's like it almost worked. But there, there is a, there's a more than a couple touches of heat in this movie, and that and that's a good point because even they have a you know Bruce Dern tells him when he has he's taken him in and he's like trying to question him and stuff, and he's like you're very good at what you do, but I want you to know like I'm also really good at what I do. I mean that's directly a, a heat thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a good point. It is. It's a. It's a grittier. Not. I don't want to say it's grittier, but it's like a dirtier. It's the. It's, yeah, it's down it's in the seventies. It's, and I love movies that are set in this time. There's something like mm-hmm. that's really special about late seventies to like late early nineties, especially cop films, or like heist films and stuff like that. Everything just seems grittier and dirtier. Everything looks cool. I mean, yes, but I mean, especially 70s for that era. But like there is I mean, the movie looks fucking cool as hell. Like we want to talk about like importance in terms of like this isn't a movie that did well at the time it came out critically or commercially. It was a failure, um, but obviously had massive influence on later movies and filmmakers like we're talking about heat i think the i think this clearly had an influence on michael mann the way that he shoots movies the the look he tries to get of night sort of night action Mm -hmm. i i did kind of feel like i couldn't help but think of baby driver to you know to some aspect 100 percent. you know the fact that he doesn't talk very much the fact that he carries a radio around you know it all goes into his like persona yeah, and I mean Edgar Wright directly has said like this is one of his favorite movies, right? Um, and he was paying homage to that movie, this movie with Baby Driver. Yeah, and, and the same with uh, Drive. Nicholas Winding Refn's Drive is obviously super influenced by this movie as well. Another character who hardly says anything. The driver, um, he's just uh, you know a sort of common collected character that we everything is under the surface. We're not seeing a lot emotionally necessarily yeah totally it's hard to talk about movies that are just really good 
sometimes. Well, like, I mean, we can talk, we can talk about all the different aspects. I mean, like I, not only do they have like awesome car chases, but I was even kind of seeing stuff like, I, you know, I haven't really seen in other movies, like how they filmed like from, you know, the bed of the truck where you see the reflection Oh yeah, through, As the, he's, through the window. And yeah, through the window, and you see the reflection, and that was such a cool shot. It just really stood out to me. Uh, yeah, and I, Dustin brought up earlier, like, driving at night. Is this supposed to take place in Los Angeles? Uh, I don't know that they ever say. I think, where did 48 Hours take place? Because the same bar, Torchies, is in this movie that was in 48 Hours. Oh. Uh, when we first meet Bruce Dern's character, he's playing pool, uh, and one of the other cops comes and tells him, hey... It's, you know, it's over on the you know, the scanners uh, that this job is going down. Uh, this is during the opening chase sequence. And then he comes out and, and he's coming out of Torchies, which is the same bar that Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte go to in, in 48 hours. Right. Why does he work out of that bar? Like all the scenes are like him interrogating someone in the bar. You know, the one criminal with glasses is... Glasses? You know, yeah, glasses. <laughs> he he goes to the bar to see him. You know what I mean? Like later on in the movie, it's like it's like he's a he's like a a mobster or something. Yeah, and I mean he kind of behaves like one, right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't give you an explanation. There's a lot of things where they don't really give you explanations, and it's just sort of like this is how this guy operates. He for whatever reason, this is like his base of operations. He likes hanging out at this bar. I do feel it's a very, like, you know, there's not a lot plot-wise. Like, it's a very stripped-down... Yeah. And I don't think it... The movie doesn't really suffer too much because it's just, like, we all kind of know what's going on and there's not a lot of explanation or backstory. I mean, I was kind of confused with some stuff, like why certain characters would make certain choices, but... Yeah. I think so. You know, re, re, oh, go ahead, John. Well, I was just saying, I just looked up while you guys were talking about that, um, the movie location for The Driver. Because you said something earlier, Dustin, about uh, Michael Mann. Michael Mann shoots Los Angeles kind of like nobody else does. Uh, mm -hmm. It's kind of like his thing, right? And I, I remember hearing something about how them changing the light bulbs in the, uh, in the street lights is changing the way that films look in Los Angeles. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, they're not using, like, the sodium vapor wave lights anymore. Yeah, right? I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, when I was watching the film yesterday, I, I was thinking how much this reminded me of a Michael Mann film, just the way that, like, the city looks. And I, I, I found it. It is shot uh, in Los Angeles, and the first line um, of this thing called movielocations.com uh, it says Walter Hill's fast-paced, pared-down thriller was filmed on the streets of 70s Los Angeles. Not even David Fincher 7 makes downtown LA look this dirty. And <laughs> I, 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 it's hard to go back and recapture the the actual dirt of the 70s. No, right? but what I what I like about this film, and we're talking about Heat, and like I, I feel like Heat obviously gets a lot from this film, like you were saying, but how they really kind of make the city it does feel like another character um like the way everything looks the way it's all shot like it, it looks amazing it just creates a yeah. really cool atmosphere and feel for the movie right like that as an exercise in style the movie is cool as fuck like <laughs> there's no denying that i don't think yeah i mean even going through the alleys and all the garbage in the alleys and then the uh the chase in that warehouse or factory yeah i can't district. i want to talk about that warehouse what was that place <laughs> it was one of the yeah. one of the greatest car chases but it feels like they just made up that location for the yeah. movie like i i hope it exists i hope that, that a place like that actually existed but it's just i feel like it exists and it's just it's the craziest if you haven't seen the film i mean it's just they're in a warehouse but it's also set up like there's food yeah, there's like grain or something Grains falls and, out of the one and sack. Coffee and there's, it's all set up in this like perfect way to have a car chase in the middle of like <laughs> the biggest warehouse you've ever seen. Yeah, it's huge, and they're like, it's so big that they're like hiding their cars like in between different stacks and rows, right of. Of uh, the green or whatever the shit it is, but yes, where they can like you know, oh, they're looking down the aisles like, oh, which where is he? Where, where is <laughs> where is he gonna pop out? Yeah. So in terms of look, I think 
clearly a big influence on, like we said, on man, but even, you know, guys like Tarantino, Refn, Edgar Wright, but also like in terms of talking to going back to like the stripped down nature of the script and the way that the movie plays out, that was something pretty different. I think even for the time when it came out, movies weren't as big and bombastic in the seventies, action movies in the seventies, you know, they were a lot more purposeful in terms of their pacing and a lot more deliberate. So something like, you know, if you're going you're looking at Dirty Harry or you're looking at the French Connection or whatever, those things, the getaway, bullet, all this stuff. It wasn't it wasn't like an explosion or gunshots every few minutes kind of movies, you know, like they were a lot more deliberate about the way they paced things, which is something, you know, even we did something like the taking of Pelham one, two, three. And it was hard to look, for me to look at it as an action movie at the time when we did that, because there isn't hardly any action scenes, right? Mm-hmm. But, but at the time, I think it was considered an action film, right? It's just the way the way that those things were made and looked at totally changed. Uh, but I think you know, even even at the time, this was a pretty stripped down script, and I think a lot of people didn't get it at the time when it came out. Like if you look at the critical, like the critics' reviews, they're pretty hard on it. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me because I, th- I mean, maybe it's hindsight, but I feel that the film just really works. Like, I mean, I think that maybe Ryan O'Neill isn't the best. I think he's. That's again something I kind of thought the first time I watched it, but I, f- I felt a lot more that he was actually really nailing what he was supposed to when I watched it this time. Yeah, and that might be. It just it feels like I mean, this is really nitpicky, but. There's even sometimes the way he's just like lit and shot. It just looks like they didn't. I don't know. He just doesn't. I'm not saying there couldn't have been someone better for the part necessarily. Like they might have. Like they tried to get Charles Bronson. They tried to get Steve McQueen, but he had done. He had just done the Getaway and Bullet, so he didn't want to do another car movie. I actually think he did a great job. I kind of would have liked if he talked less because when he was, I mean, he doesn't talk that much already as it is. But if he talked less, I just think it would have added to his persona and his like almost like his his power or his like mystery of. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a decent balance with that because he, he really doesn't talk a lot. But, you know, obviously there are times when you need your character to say something. Yeah. He, you know, he has some interactions with the player who, you know, we find out she has been prearranged to witness him so that she in the lineup she can say it wasn't him right so there's you know they they need to talk a bit because there's also like at least sort of the idea of an attraction between them even if the movie doesn't really bother delving into much of that which i thought james you would have loved that aspect of this movie right because that movie this movie's not really interested in getting bogged down in any of that kind of stuff yeah i mean it's not interested in that uh, but i kind of was question like they kind of explained why she was like going along with like this relationship kind of aspect like she was she's obviously kind of like looking for money because she's a a gambler she's also she's also a kept woman who's yeah her situation is changing and she's not you know so she's kind of like doing it for herself because she's kind of seeing the writing on the wall she needs to kind of like make money somehow but they don't like get too deep into that relationship and aspect but i do feel like then the rest of the movie she's just there she's not really she doesn't really do a whole lot yeah on the one hand i like that the movie is that stripped down and we don't bother spending a whole bunch of time finding out about these people's backstories yeah where there's just enough of a sketch that their performance um allows us to fill in those kind of details with our own imaginations Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah what you're saying is true she maybe could have used just a little bit more of an aspect there an angle so that we had just maybe a little bit more better idea about her motivation what she's doing in there what she wants to get out of the situation because she's she stays with him all the through that like final chase and all that stuff, right? Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, I I get why she's I understand because they try to explain why she's doing it, but then other than she does the swap to uh, what is that guy called? The like the guy that takes the money. Oh, he's the he's exchanging it for. He's the yeah. He's he's laundering the money. Yeah. yeah. So so she does the swap with him. 
And like, so she serves a purpose in that aspect. But other than that, she's just along for the ride and she doesn't talk. Well, I, was gonna say, I kind of like her. Like she's this person that's kind of on the outside. You got pulled into this. She's obviously a risk taker who is intrigued mm-hmm. by all of this and wants to like be a part of it. And I think that you're supposed to understand that I mean, this isn't her first time being involved in stuff like this. Yeah, but just, I mean, but the reason that she doesn't talk and that they play it off more is that I think trying to make her character more mysterious, but also she she looks kind of like an innocent. And I think right. she has this like deeper backstory. And I just kind of imagine that she has all this stuff. I, I can see why you'd want oh, more. Yeah. But. No, I I actually get from like her look, the way she looks and her stares that she has, that it's like she's definitely got some mystery like you, you know, there's a lot more to the story than what she's you an, know. She's an intriguing character in a lot. Yeah, of ways, for right? sure. What she does, her character in this movie makes more sense at the end of like why she's there than at the end of Heat, why the girlfriend goes along with. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you know, you that. like I'll give c- you that because that makes no sense to me. But <laughs> I think though, yeah. What I think what John is saying is 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 true she's a risk taker and this is like uh this is exciting to her this is something if she just wants to see what's going to happen where is it going to go what's what's you know right. how's this going to play out yeah um, and i mean i think she is we are supposed to think she's attracted to the driver at the same time too now maybe we can talk about the plot a little i mean we have the the robbery at the beginning the car chase at the beginning where you know he loses all those cop cars one by one yeah great sequence yeah Um, great sequence and then you know at the end he's like this is the last job we're gonna do because you know i he doesn't like guns i guess uh he isn't working with the guns yeah Yeah, he you kind of get the sense that he has a a goal he has an end game and you no one knows what it is even like his closest like and there's that heat influence again. Yeah. Like so even the connection uh yeah. doesn't really understand what he's doing. And like he, he obviously has money and yet he stays at these flop houses, right? Yeah. I like the scene when he's in I guess he's in hiding after the failed and he just like brings in it looks like just he brings in booze. There's no food. Right. Um but yeah, to like to kind of get into what happens in the movie more, uh, you know, he does this the first robbery. Uh, he he gets those two guys out of there. You realize that they're not a crew. He's just their driver. He's just the driver. Yeah, they pay him they, off. They, he they trashes the car. Yeah, they pay him off, and he says, "They say see you next time." And he goes, "No, you guys were late." So he, yeah. he right. he's got these like they start setting up this code that he has. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. got he's got certain standards that have to be met for him to work with you. Yeah, so and I, I love that world building where he's just like bit by bit, you're kind of seeing like who these players are what drives them and what kind of like the you know like a code they live by a code uh, Bruce Dern yeah. lives by a code um, everybody but then sorry there's a robbery that goes with these other guys this other driver yeah, at the grocery group, store a group of yahoos that group, yeah, robbed the grocery store and Bruce Dern like focuses in on them because he's trying to get this driver and he goes to the to glasses uh, Joseph Walsh and he says you know I need you to get a new driver I need you to get the driver uh, for your next heist and I'll make this all disappear. And this is when you kind of really realize that he's working outside the outside the law. Yeah, he'll do anything to to nail this guy. He just wants to nail him like he has a bug up his ass about it. Yeah. Uh there is we we did miss the scene earlier when um the player gets pulled in to do a lineup with the uh, the driver and she says she's never seen him. She says this is definitely not the guy. And then uh Bruce Dern, the detective confronts the driver spills coffee on him mm-hmm. and is like, like go ahead punch me it'll be two years and it's just like it, to me it i not to make this political but it's just really hard to watch that stuff i think especially right now when you're like oh no that's literally what they do like that's yeah like you're a piece of shit well i mean especially you know you think it's bad now you know how fucking unregulated and unwatched these cops were in the 70s and the early yeah. 80s and stuff oh like, yeah they're literally getting away with murder, right? So, like, it's on one hand, you can watch it, I think, as a movie watcher and be like, oh, well, that seems like a little much. But then you're like, no, that's probably completely. That's one of the most accurate parts <laughs> of the entire film. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, he goes and, like, intimidates witnesses and, you know. Yeah. 
yeah. basically threatens people. Goes to your people. house and threatens. You know, she goes. He goes to the player's house and threatens her and stuff. Oh, how cool is that shot outside when the driver meets her outside at that walkway in front of her building, and it's just like that neon green lighting going all the way down the the strip of the yeah. walkway thing. And then, but then he's hiding in there while Bruce Dern is confronting her. He's like right in the other room and stuff. Yeah, and that's a nice shot. Like I like that shot too. The, sh- the movie yeah. is so well done. So yeah. well done. So yeah. so I mean, well done. It's absolutely but, gorgeous to look at. Yeah. So when you get to, so I want to actually bring up um, glasses for a second. Is Teeth his friend? Was that the kid? Yeah, teeth is Teeth is the guy that he punches down the stairs and that he ends the showdown with at the end. Yeah, he's got the vest on. And then, oh, the uh, kid fingers, is fingers is their original driver. This is the thing I like about the driver and his, I guess, respect for other drivers is he never has a beef. Like he says, I have a beef with you and you, but he doesn't mention the driver that he did a job with. Right. At the end, you know, he lets that other driver go. That's the kid. That's the kid. Yeah. He lets him go because... Uh, they had their own driver that was f- finger. It was fingers, the blonde guy. Yeah, what's but what's the name? What's the name of the the dark haired guy? Teeth. Okay, here's a question: Is it's a, are they alluding? Maybe I misread this completely. Are they alluding to the fact that teeth and glasses are lovers? Uh, Is that know. why I, he doesn't want to work with them? I don't. Uh... I don't think no, so. No, he I think he doesn't want to work with them because they shoot up the place. No, but yeah, that's they always, they always that's shoot up why. The place. It's like glasses. After every job they do, glasses shoots up the place, whatever it is, in the windows and stuff. He he thinks they're yahoos. They're unprofessional. They're not. They don't meet like we were just talking I, about his his standards that he has. They don't meet it. I mean, maybe yeah, I guess. Okay, that makes sense. That I, I didn't I didn't pick up on, but I didn't. I, I didn't don't know. I, I I I found that I thought there was like a like they were more than friends kind of undertone between those two but that could have just been in my head i don't know i thought it was just an interesting turn but so they do their heist which is like well first back that up this is we this is like my favorite scene in the entire movie is when uh glasses goes and hires uh the driver for the job and they're like oh has given him money to like hire him so that they can catch him right yeah and they're in this like parking lot and this is, I think, possibly one of the top five greatest car chases I've ever seen without a second car, even. Yeah, without a chase, actually, yeah. I mean, that's a really cool like sequence they, when he's just showing them his driving, but like then he starts scaring the shit out of them by like. And crashing. destroying the car? Yeah, it's but like a Mercedes Benz, isn't it? Yeah, what I love about it is a Mercedes. I, I think it is a Mercedes Benz, but. He says he's really proud of that scene. Like, oh, it was a Mercedes 250S. So what I love about that scene is that I can visualize when he's doing everything, when he's like, um, there's a part where he's coming down and the driver's side mirror, I think it is, is taking out light bulbs that are against the wall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's other stuff. And it's like, oh, I can visualize why he's doing that. Like he's doing that because he's going through like an alley or whatever and he's got to be tight. And then he like hits the wall and then backs up. And you even see that move later on with the kid mm-hmm. when he's driving and it's just like he creates an entire car chase by himself yeah, but i can right. imagine i can see all the other vehicles uh yeah I, yeah i get what you're saying for sure like this is all the different scenarios that might occur during an actual chase and he's showing them each individual sort of moment but then also putting the fear of god in them right at the same time when he starts uh, kind of going off the rails with it. And then, like, you know, he takes the door off. Like, oh, the door gets knocked off. This is a thing that happens in a chase. Like, uh, he, Paul, he, there's, like, at the very end, he slides in, like, right... He just misses the wall by as close as you could, like, yeah. come by it kind of thing. But doesn't even... Yeah, it's a he, really... He crushes the, the, the roof of the car he, yeah, a little bit. he drives bit. out of the lot, and it goes underneath that truck with a bunch of pipes on it, right? And then he crushes the roof down. And, like... Yeah. Anyway, I... <laughs> so, that scene alone made the movie for me. I just absolutely loved it. it that paired scene. with the final chase just kind of kind of blew my mind. Yeah. Oh, once they finally get the driver into doing the job, and then of course it's like a double cross where Glasses is gonna he's he's double crossing Bruce Dern and the driver, right? Triple cross. 
a triple cross. Yeah, <laughs> that scene is I thought really cool too. Where they're in the they're in that warehouse wherever they've met. Bruce Dern is waiting for them at some other wrong location that they were supposed to show up at so they could bust the driver. Yeah, and he's like, you know, you're such a fucking idiot. Like you won't you won't use guns. You're such a moron. And he's about to shoot him and kill him, and then. Bam! The driver has a fucking gun, you know, behind the door. <laughs> he just blows the guy away. Yeah, I love uh, I love that too because I was like, well, of course he has a gun, but I he doesn't like him doesn't mean he he wouldn't use one to like protect himself. Yeah, and it makes sense that he would he would have this persona where no one would think he has a gun, right? Because yeah. that's the safest way for him to live. Yeah, I mean, I I do like I'm kind of confused of why he agreed to do the job even though he knows he's getting set up by the cop like what Um, was his plan i I think his whole thing is like you know he's so slick he's gonna he's gonna find a way to get what he wants out of it anyway he even tells the player like oh i mean i i'm i was thinking of even just sending him the money because he doesn't care about the money he just wants to fuck over the cop he wants the juice (laughs) for him the action is the juice yeah yeah Yeah, because we don't know much about the driver either, right? Like, he's just right. this dude. He's, he's making all this money for these jobs. We don't know what he's doing with it or what he's saving it for. He's not spending it in the movie. He's living in a flop house. He's not, he's not you know, blowing money on la- uh, lavish things. He's just this workhorse guy who's doing this because this is what, I mean, maybe he is what Bruce Dern calls him. He's a cowboy who this is what he gets off on, right? I'll tell you the one thing I don't really understand is I didn't really understand the the money trick at the end where it was like open this one and then open that one like for the yeah see for me I thought there was going to be something more I thought there was going to be like oh it turns out in the end you know some like Ocean's Eleven reveal or some shit what you <laughs> thought was this way is actually this way but no it turns out it's exactly the way you think it is. But somehow that there. to me was so rewarding. And then Bruce Dern's just like alone, like Yeah, he's holding the empty he's bag. Literally holding he's left the bag. Holding the empty bag. Like yeah. Yeah. and I thought exactly what I thought when I watched it. I'm like, oh wow, he's like he's a meta like he's literally left holding the open empty bag. It's the key it's perfect. Yeah. yeah. I wonder you know, we're t- going back to the critics not liking it when it came out. Uh, maybe it was just too different of a thing at the time. Like it's so stripped down and so direct in a lot of ways that people maybe just weren't digging it at that moment. But like, and and part of it, you know, we look at it and we we can see all these things that are really cool about it. But we might have the advantage of looking back on it after we've seen Michael Mann movies, after we've seen Tarantino and and Nicholas Winding Refn and all this stuff. Yeah. And we, and like, so we already have a reference point for what this movie is doing because we've seen other people take its influence. It's true. I mean, it's the same, the same, uh, reviewers, uh, people who didn't like the, the thing, right? Like, it's just, how do you not like that movie? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's baffling, right? I mean, I do really like the end. I, I do like it because you all of a sudden think, okay, he finally got him. Like he caught him with the bag. And then because, you know, the detective, he like risked everything like this. He is at the end of Mm. his power and influence and everything. Everything's riding on this. And it turns out luck has it. They both got screwed over and there's nothing in the bag. And the guy that did the exchange left it empty. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It, it's satisfying because the driver gets away, but he was so close to being like, if he wasn't screwed over, he would have been caught and that would have been it. And again, it's not just like a, it's not exactly like a tied up little bow either because it's not like the driver and the player drive off into the sunset. She leaves before the situation even finishes playing out. She's like, well, I guess this didn't go the way that I thought it was going to go or whatever. Like the situation is too much. And she just kind of, now, does she, does she does she leave before she realizes there's nothing in the bag? I think so, because he she sees him walking over. Like she sees all the cops are there with him. Yeah, he's walking over with the bag, and she just like turns and and exits the station. 
Right, which I mean, like, what are you supposed to do? Like, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying uh, I hold that against her character or anything. I'm just saying yeah. it's not a movie where okay, now the driver and her are together and they drive off and everything's happy. Like, it's just sort of like no, like the situation kind of came to this end and yeah, they're going, they're I just mean, going their separate ways. I do like the thought that the driver keeps on you know, taking jobs and he, he keeps on with his life doing his same thing. And the detective just gets like destroyed. And it's kind of like, I don't know, I guess, I I guess it's anti, uh, heavy handed cop. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, this is also, I mean, this is part of the, the, the decade of these types of films where we're sort of dismantling the institutions and looking at things with a more critical eye in the post Vietnam again. Um, right. And, and even we got some of that too, in something like vanishing point, that sort of anarchic energy of we're not going to be held back by the, by the law and the the rules and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's part of just the spirit of that time of filmmaking as well. Uh, something that maybe could do a little more of again in this modern era. Yeah, I wish they'd make movies. I don't know. Can they make movies like this anymore? I'm not sure. I don't think so. Well, it's hard to capture certain aspects of it the same way, right? I think, you know, you watch a movie like Drive, it captures certain aspects of this movie in a really cool way and then, and then is also its own thing that's really, I think, a really great, fun movie. Um, and Baby Driver even more of takes a light, more lighthearted approach to this material kind of material, but still obviously incorporates a lot of the same influence. So is it going to be exactly the same? No, but um, I don't know. I guess you can't go home again. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, before we get to our ratings, did you have a favorite scene, Dustin? I mean, it's hard not to choose a chase sequence in a movie like this because it's very much a. a it's a matter of which movie. one you pick. Yeah. It's I, you, So you're telling me it's not when Teeth puts the gun into that chick's okay. mouth? That actually no. scene. Okay, so that scene. <laughs> the connection, yeah. Was actually pretty terrifying. Yeah. Like well, he doesn't say anything. No. And, yeah, and he, he's, a, he's a creepy character in a way. Yeah, yeah. And the way that he puts the gun like all the way down her throat. Like, I don't know. I... I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty intense. Speaking of teeth, though, and uh, was it glasses? Okay, mm-hmm. so glasses is a perfect example of we do not see people that look like this in movies anymore. <laughs> yeah. Now, these guys all, like that crew, that whole crew of those three guys, yeah. they have a ve- like they each have a very distinct look, and you buy yeah. them as these sort of <laughs> low-life criminal guys. Uh, I mean, part of that part of that's their performance, and part of that's just their look, right? I think it's kind of funny because I thought the same thing, John. Yeah, that's. I think that's one of the biggest problems with movies now is that there's no regular looking people. Yeah, in films, it's funny because we watch some of these older movies, and I notice like, oh, these people have regular teeth, right? And like, oh, that's kind of like nice to see. These people are like normal. It's not all just like fucking supermodel people in every role. Yeah, I I don't know who it was again who who was saying this, but they're talking about character actors, and they're like, there's not a lot of. I, I'm I'm messing this up a bit, but everybody's hoping they're going to be cast in a uh, action hero. Like a, like, a, like a comic book movie one day. Right. So all these guys who normally would have kind of like let themselves go a bit and, you know, settled more into some of these like roles, uh, these uh, character roles are still like jacked and like hoping for that. <laughs> so like there's just a different sense of like sensibility now in, yeah. in Hollywood yeah. where mean, there's I, just I, not normal looking people. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, sometimes you'll get some comedic actors that'll fill some of these roles of like the weird looking person. Well, you're Patton Oswalt. Sure. A Patton I mean, Oswalt, he's the one a, he's a Joe, in... Joe Latruglio or some, you know, somebody like that. You're where it's a like, Joe Rogan. Okay, they, don't, they, <laughs> they don't necessarily look like, you know, a fucking beautiful made in a, made in a vat. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we need more real people in movies. So let's get to our, 
let's get to our ratings then. This is my movie. I'll go first. I want to change my rating and make it higher, but my reaction's an eight and my overall score is an eight. I love this movie. It's great. Um, you know, while we were talking about it, uh, I I bumped up my score a little bit. Yeah, I see you changed it. I did. And because it's, it is really fucking good. Um, I don't know if I'd go so far as to call it like a forgotten classic, but I think it's so influential on, on stuff that came later that, that we really love, uh, or at least I really love, and I'm sure you guys do too, in movies. And so like just for its style and its influence, I mean, I think it has to be taken seriously. So anyway, my reaction's an 8, and my overall score ends up being a 6.8. Yeah, and uh, my reaction's a 7, overall 6.4. Low ball and stuff again. <laughs> Always, James. Always. Always. Oh, I was going to say, you ruined it, Dustin. It was like a massive tie. It's still a tie. So 7.1. Tied for number 40 with Kung Fu Hustle, Die Hard with a Vengeance, and Fist of Legend. Mm, interesting. But John, this is your movie. You want to go first or last? Uh, I'll go last. Dustin, you go first. Man, that is, that's actually pretty tough because they're not necessarily very similar movies that it's tied with. Like, I think King Kung Fu Hustle is so entertaining. Like, it's just such a fun fucking movie. Mm-hmm. I might put this just behind that and ahead of everything else. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. Behind Kung Fu Hustle, ahead of Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah. Die Hard with a Vengeance, I think, is a really fun movie, but like you, you can't claim that it's an influential movie, really. So, That's the third one? Yeah, the one with Samuel Jackson. Yeah, but the riddle with the water and the fountain, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, you changed my mind. This goes behind Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I would have to add a... I would, to me, it would go some either uh, ahead of Kung Fu Hustle or behind, probably behind, just because like I can just see its influence in everything. I don't know if that actually count, but uh, yeah, sure, it counts in how you would place it. Right? Yeah, I'm gonna I put mean, I'm gonna put it at number forty one behind Kung Fu Hustle and two behind Baby Driver. Interesting. Yeah, I, that's interesting because I I think I like this better than Baby Driver, but yeah, you know. Um, I think one area where it maybe falls down a little bit for me is plot, not because what is presented is bad, but just because there's not much to it. So it's you're like, just missing the sex scene. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm. Saying. I was so glad they didn't have that. <laughs> I thought they were gonna do it. Yeah, no, I don't know. This, you know, we just did 48 hours. So and and there's more Walter Hill movies we have to do. Like we've got to do the Warriors, obviously. Um, Extreme Prejudice is one I know Patreon uh, subscriber Ryan would really like us to do that uh, we're going to have to get to for sure. Um, But yeah, he doesn't seem overly concerned with those details. Like 48 hours, though, it felt like that stuff was filmed and excised, whereas here he was just like, no, this is like stripped down. We're just minimalist. We're just going for it. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Uh, Please check us out on Instagram, Action Action Podcast, and on patreon uh action action podcast for all uh you know extra stuff pick our episodes all right thanks for listening and we'll see you next week